Welcome back to the Practically Spiritual Podcast. This is Jessica Palmer of Jessica Palmer Official. I'm a breakthrough coach and personal development specialist. I'm all about helping people ditch existing mode, survival mode, and activate what I call thrive mode. So I've created this podcast in accordance with my mission, which is to create collective change through conversation and remarkable transformational experiences. So grab a coffee, grab a wine, whatever, whatever you like at all. And I hope you enjoy this transmission. Before we get into this conversation, I wanted to take a moment to um, to first let you guys know that we are about to talk about some some things that perhaps could trigger people around uh, suicide, uh, mental health, and things like that of this nature. So before uh, forging ahead and listening to this amazing amazing interview with I'm about to announce who the guest um, the guest is um, I would just first of all give you guys the warning that we do dive pretty deep into uh, some themes around suicide and mental health um, you know this is a huge passion um, of mine an area that requires so much attention, so much attention in our country and, of course, um, worldwide. Um, you know, even on a personal level, um, what I would like to share is that, you know, I've personally experienced PTSD, um, postnatal depression. Um, my husband is, um, has, you know, dealt with PTSD and depression as well um, after finding his best friend after he committed suicide. And, um, you know, mental health, men's mental health is, is one of my biggest passions and one of my whys, um, why I'm so committed to creating change through conversation and through the remarkable um, transformational experiences that I provide with my programs, coaching and workshops. If you require any support and currently live in Australia, please contact Lifeline on one three. 1114 or speak to your local GP or reach out to a family member or friend. I want you to know that you are not broken, that you are loved and that we want you to be here tomorrow. So with that being said, let's get into the interview. So I'm so excited about this guest guys. Um, Huge welcome to Matt Runnels. Hi, Matt. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me. We're excited about this and um, good to finally get on and have a chat. I'm looking forward to all things that come out of this for sure. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I just want to first of all take a moment to, you know, I have to take a moment to really acknowledge all of the work that you've done and, and the impact, the positive impact that you've had on my personal loved ones. And I just want to thank you so much for that. No, I appreciate that. It's, um, you know, it works both ways. Uh, the people that I, I do get to help are, are very, um, very great supports to myself in my own journey. So it's a very rewarding experience and it works both ways. And, you know, it's compassion and it works. Yeah, as I said, it works both ways. You want others to be happy, you practice it. And if you want to be happy, you practice it. So, and um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the people that I've met and, and your family are a huge, huge support to me and, and my organisation. So I wouldn't be in the position I am today without those. I absolutely love that. And I'm pretty sure that um, you've got like lifetime support yeah, <laughs> network yep, yep. happening. So, um, I often feel yeah. pretty, um, 
a lot of guilt that uh, they do so much for my charity, but at the same time, um, I'm very, very, very lucky that they do because, um, as I said, I'm I'm quite easily get all the pats on the back for the work that Michael Laws does, but it's those people behind the scenes that are effectively saving and changing lives, and that's a very beautiful thing. Yes, and that's the thing, right? Like we can't, you know, it does sometimes take that one person to stand up and say, this is the situation, but it takes a collective to actually create real change. Oh, absolutely. And there's so many people that sit behind the scenes of Mindful Oz that are happy sitting behind the scenes. Um, and I'm the person out the front that obviously does a lot of the work. Um, and as I said, it's those people behind the scenes that won't necessarily see the lives that they impact, but they've just got to understand that they are directly impacting a lot of lives around this country. And we're very fortunate, Michael Oz, to have got in front of probably over 100,000 people over the last couple of years in our work. Um, wow. and, and it's we've seen the impact that it's made. So that's not down to me. Um, that's down to so many people behind the scenes and our other facilitators and speakers that all chip in and make Mindful um, Oz quite an incredible organisation. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, if you wouldn't mind, Matt, um, if you could perhaps share with the audience, you know, how uh, a little bit about your personal journey and how Mindful Oz was created. Yeah, so I guess I never had the courage to do what I'm doing right now. Um, speaking about mental health and, and suicide and anything to do with mind and behavioural health was not something that I ever considered. Um, I was in the plumbing industry straight out of school. I I knew for a long time that I was experiencing a lot of mental health challenges. But because I grew up in such a supportive and caring and compassionate environment, it was it was exactly that that suppressed my thoughts and feelings because I struggled to understand why I would be struggling and, and to think that I could um, voice my concerns and, and, and try and be better understood was a silly thing for me to be able to do when I, I was living such a perfect life. So... Um, I started in 2000 and, uh, 2012 when I moved to Queensland. I remember putting up my first status about mental health and oh, I sat there pondering on the post button for a long, long time as to what people would think of me and, mm. you know, I immediately felt better for it and, uh, as I said about compassion before, it's just about giving back and if we live in the betterment of others and we all have that same approach, there's going to be always someone there to support us when we fall. So. Um, yeah, I, I lost, I've lost seven mates to suicide dating back to when I was just 12, 12 years old through to now 28. Um, I've had a number of suicide attempts myself. I live with bipolar disorder and in chronic suicidal ideation and I've had a brief stint homeless. So in terms of lived experiences, there's not a lot that I haven't seen or done or been around, especially now in this form of advocacy. But it's a very beautiful thing to be able to use those experiences to create something and channel it for some greater good. And, um, you know, I know my mates would be up there, up top, looking down on this and and really being quite proud that they've been able to use their experiences to help. As I've always said, it's a very beautiful thing um, and also of the families to allow me to do so. So Mindful Oz was formed in 2016. Um, it was genuinely just a platform for me to have... Uh, and give to people to share their experiences the same way I had because it was really my rediscovery of hope visible in other people's kindness and stories of hope, healing and recovery that enabled me to find my strength within. Um, and so I just wanted to be able to give that platform to a, a different demographic and background of people. I volunteered and worked at a lot of charities for a long time and just organically I started to build that passion 
um, combined with losing those mates. And I didn't want to sit up the back of another funeral. Like it broke my heart. It still does to this day. It's not, it's not something that will ever leave my mind. Um, and so organically, just in about nine months' time, by September, Mindful Oz's Facebook page had had hundreds of thousands of people engage and there, we seen that there was a greater need for what we were trying to do and the way in which we were doing it and that was a confronting way but it was also by being real and encouraging that vulnerability in yeah. not only men but young people yeah um and so yeah organically over the last you know coming up to three years now it's still a very short time but the impact and the amount of people we've been able to get in front of and help and support, but the programs that we've rolled out and the trainings that we've been able to deliver, is it's just an amazing journey. And, you know, as I said, I'm very much a, a beneficiary of that as well. It's in turn, I'm able to give back, but I'm able to improve my well-being by learning more about this from other advocates and other organisations. And in turn, I give that information straight back to the people that I'm in front of. So that's a very beautiful thing. So beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I love, I love your vulnerability and um, how real you are. Like you are like, this is, this is really what I experience. This is really what is happening in the world right now. And these yeah. are the ways that we can try to combat this. Yeah, so I often sit back and wonder what, 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 what we've done for so long. Um, you know, I just think, uh, I, I guess I don't know any other way. The only way that I've ever got to the place of hope uh, hope and acceptance of my journey is by being real and open and honest about it. And, you know, I think that's, that's, that's really the only way we're going to change the stigmas around, around mind and behavioral health and to encourage people to talk about it. It's just by being real, not sugarcoating it, not tiptoeing it, you know, yeah. telling it for what it is. And, yeah. and when we do, and we mention those dirty words like suicide and mental illness, we take the power away from them every single time. Yeah. Um, so the more and the more of these conversations we can have, the more we normalise that conversation and give people the comfort to share their pain. And as I've always said, one person going through pain that doesn't tell their story is still one person with pain. One person who shares that pain with someone else, not only is it halved, but it creates beautiful and meaningful conversations that help other people find comfort in their chaos too. And that's a really, really important thing for everyone to understand. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that brings me to a conversation around stigma. And one of, the most, one of the most powerful quotes that I have heard this year was um, I, I've had the, the, the privilege of meeting this amazing woman. I hope you know her. If not, you have to, you have to meet her. Her name is um, Nicole Gibson. I'm not sure if you've heard about her. No, I haven't. No. So at the age of 19, um, she was the um, – she was the – National, the Australian Commissioner of um, Mental Health. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, she's done a TED Talk. She speaks for Mind Valley, and she's based here on the Gold Coast. But um, her thing is all about love, you know, using love to actually create change. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, yeah. The, what she said was, and it hit me, it hit me in the gut. She said, shame is suffering in silence. And I thought, shit, yeah, 100%. Because when we actually voice it and we do say this is what it is and we, we tell people about it, then that shame no longer lives within us. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's another really great one that I always follow from, um, you know, I grew up listening. Well, I didn't grow up listening. I sort of connected to Lincoln Park when I was in much, yeah. of, my strug- much of my struggles. And Chester, ben- Chester Bennington obviously lost his life um, a couple of years ago now to suicide and he has a really great 
quote that he mentioned on his last ever f- performance um, about how we go about beating hate, and that's you can con- you can conquer hate by ignoring it, but you can you can conquer hate by loving the person next to you, and I think that that's just something that I continue to try to incorporate in my day and, and our practices at Mindful Laws every single day, and. You know, we work on a 1,440-minute schedule and, and a lot of people turn their head and go, what the? But we don't work with 24 hours. We don't work with 12-hour schedules. We work with 1,440 minutes because that's how many opportunities we have every single day to make an impact on people. Yeah, I love that. And when people sit there with a 24-hour schedule, you often will pencil something in like a meeting or a coffee that's going to take an hour. However many minutes that it doesn't take up to an hour is minutes we've lost to make a positive impact on the world and, you know, just some of my own research around the world, like 100 and something planes will take off around the world, 60-something people will get the keys to a new home, 113 people will tie the knot and get married. Like all these beautiful, happy memories are created every single 60 seconds in the world. But more importantly, every 60 seconds in the world, we're losing to someone to suicide. And in the same time it takes for us to lose someone, and that might be a continent away, that might be a country away, that might be a street away, that might be under our roof. We have the opportunity to send a message, to smile, to hug, to do all these things that might positively impact or change someone's day or might even save their life. So it's, it's these things that we just have to reiterate and keep uh, ramming home to people. We've got so many opportunities every single day to, to live in the betterment of others. Um, and if we, as I said at the start, if we all incorporate that approach to our daily life, well, then we're going to be in a much better world. Yes. Our kids are going to grow up in a better environment. Absolutely. Where, and there's so love, much hope. Love's a choice. Love is a choice. And there is so much hope. Like I remember when I went to um to NLP training last year, about twelve months ago. So um and you know, just the men that I was surrounded by and young men, like like people that are like nineteen, twenty, and the way that they were speaking, the how in touch with their emotions, but it was still so masculine, you know, it was so um, I just was filled with so much hope. I was like, this is the future. Like, I'm filled with hope. I truly believe that, that change is happening. And I feel, I feel that every minute of every day now. Yeah, it is. Um, we're, we're coming a long way. And, there's, you know, I think I just put up a post last night about, you know, just the self-reflection and the recognition that there's some amazing advocates in this country. And a lot of those are, are men that are stepping forward and, and stepping into that vulnerability and, birthing strength not only for themselves but others and I think it's going to take more and more of those men to step forward and have these difficult conversations because that's the demographic that's really struggling to come to terms with it. Women are very good at having these conversations. They're so much stronger than we are in that regard and you know we've we've just come out of Men's Health Week and seen the stats released and, and how much we're up against and I think it's about being relatable, it's about being confronting, but it's also about going to the comfort of those men and those people and, and, and that doesn't mean waiting for them to reach in for help. That means going to them and yeah. and step, stepping, stepping into their comfort zone and finding out what, what pains them and what difficult challenges they're coming up against every day and, and that's how we can work together to eradicate those stigmas and, and redefine that masculinity because yes. it, it can be a very toxic thing sometimes in, in so many different demographics and cultures. Yeah, and I just want to bring up the phrase, and I, you know, I say this in my lives sometimes, but, um, you know, the phrase "man up" is just a load of shit. Like, oh, piss off out of the universe right now. So even yeah. even the baby's upset about it. 
<laughs> yeah, manning up would mean that you, you step forward, you step out of that comfort zone and you share and talk about the things that really matter and that's your thoughts, feelings and emotions. Yes. There's, no, there's, there's no, yeah, getting vulnerable isn't, isn't a sign of weakness. It's a true sign of strength and if more men did it, they'd, they'd recognise that life satisfaction will dramatically improve and, and improve very quickly. Yes, absolutely. And, um, and, and on that as well, you know, like you said, it's about meeting them wherever it is that they're, that they're at and, and finding a place that they feel comfortable in. Um, yeah. to really create yep. that that comfortability that it's there's there's an openness that it's it's okay yeah it's a, uh, like a, I sometimes well I don't sometimes I always get frustrated when I see Facebook and it's people open the doors open I've got the cup the the kettle's boiling come for a cuppa doors open share this know that I'm listening always here it's it's bullshit it is absolute yeah. bullshit. Yeah. If you expect someone that's going through an unbearable amount of emotional pain to scream from the rafters about their pain and to come and knock on your door and to drop their burden on you, yeah. you are kidding yourself. Yeah, because they Absolutely already, kidding yourself. you know, when you're in that state, when you're in that state, you feel like a burden. So you're like, why would I do that? Yeah, exactly right. People feel like they're worthless. They feel like a failure, but they most importantly feel like they're a burden. And when you feel like a burden, you ain't going to go drop that pain on someone else. No. And it's the importance of people not sitting there and posting stupid statuses. It's not telling people their doors always happen because when was the last time that come, someone come through your door and drop their problems on you? It doesn't happen. Yeah. So let's be realistic with it and let's be relatable with it. If someone wants to go have a beer at the pub and talk about their thoughts, feelings and emotions, do it. It's yeah. balance. If that is what makes them open up and feel comfortable, do it. If they want to go and have a t- talk down the park or if they want to do it running, if it's whatever it is, we have to understand what makes people tick and speak to their love languages. Yeah. And I think it's a very important part of, of my recovery is that people know when, know when to get me in, in, that, in that position and, and know what makes me tick and, and it's enabled me to open up and be real about what I'm experiencing and that's why I live in a consistent and sustainable place of well-being every single day and, and when I'm not, I feel the comfort in reaching out to the, the people that provide that environment for me. And I know. Thank you so much for choosing that and, and being the example because that's what it is. Like, you know, we need we need evidence. People people need to see evidence that it is actually okay to express your emotions. And um, you know, men for the men that are like, you know, there's a lot of men that do post. You know, it ain't weak to speak and and then this and that. And it's like, okay, cool. Like, I love that you're posting that, but what are you actually doing? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, like, there's no comfort in a there's hashtag. There's no action. There's no comfort in a hashtag, yes. Yeah, it's a, you know, I, look, I love the work of every single person on the hardest edges of love and life doing this work because we need more of you. But the wheels will start to turn when we start to realise the importance of lived experience. Yes. And people sharing their pain. Yeah. And make, but make that no is also people, this is a life and death situation. This is life yeah. and death for people and... You know, when you have been touched um, on a personal level, whether it's within yourself or by someone that you love, you realise that. You obviously realise that, you know. Yeah. It's a non-negotiable. It's like, you know, that's what's happened with me. Um, you know, I suffered from postnatal depression, PTSD. Uh, I didn't even realise I was suffering from anxiety for so long until I got to such a dark place. Yeah. Um, but... You know, even with my husband, um, you know, finding his best friend, which actually yesterday was the, the three-year anniversary of, 
of Sarlan's passing and I just couldn't believe that it was three years. You know? Yeah, it, it's coming up three years for Sean as well. And, yeah, as I said, we, I use that energy and drive every single day. It's not something that rocks me for one day and obviously commands with, it lives with me every single day and I've got that slideshow that goes back and forth in my head, yes. back and forth through my head every day. So yeah. it's using those experiences and, and wishing, you know, I wish that I could say something or do something to bring those people back, but we don't. But what we do have is the opportunity to try and use those experiences to see what didn't work, to take what did, and to implement it in other people's lifestyles. Yeah. And that's how I've got to this place of wellness. And, and I'll continue to grow every single day and our obsessions become our possessions. Yeah. And you work tirelessly on your well-being the same way we do to our physical appearance to look well and feel well. Yeah. It's no different with the brain muscle. So, yeah, I, I, I have a pretty strenuous wellness plan and work on that tirelessly every day. And I just want people to understand that they can do the same thing. Um, yeah, there's therapy and medication. There's great support services out there and, social social groups and support groups but at the same time it, it takes more than that to live in a consistent place of well-being we're not entitled to anything we life isn't easy won't ever be never has been but when we put the work into ourselves every single day yeah. um the correlations to good well-being are there and they've been there for many years it's just people want to see proven outcomes and they want to see them straight away and i think that that was my problem for many many years um so yeah i just do things every single day now that I know I don't want to do and I can't be bothered doing, but I know that they're going to make an impact or a difference to my well-being and my life satisfaction in the next 24 hours. So it's a no-brainer. And as a, you know, speaking of the brain, um, you know, we have to touch on the brain. You know, as a neurolinguistic programming practitioner and a timeline therapist, you know, I speak with people that experience so many different types of trauma. And I think the best way for them to overcome is really through getting first of all getting an understanding of the mind and how it actually works yeah so important um you know i would have never imagined that i'd be in the position i am right now where i jump in the car and i put on podcasts about the brain that would have never have been me um but you know i get such a kick out of learning about this thing because it's the most powerful tool in the body and when it's working for us we can conquer the world and i'm seeing that right now when it's working against us, it will conquer us. And I've nearly seen that four times with myself and I've seen it seven times with my mates. So it's just what, what we don't know, we can't fix. Um, and we can only do with the information we've got in that present time. So if you equip yourself with more skill sets and more understanding of what our brain does and how it works and step in and get curious about it, then you're in a better position to deal with life's inevitable situations and challenges. Because as I said, life isn't easy, won't ever be. I know something bad's about to happen. I know that an inevitable life situation is only just around the corner, but it's putting myself in a position where I'm ready to climb out of it or work through it, whatever the challenge is. Absolutely. And, you know, my three pillars uh, personally are connection, nourishment, and then gratitude. So for me, you know, connection is all around, you know, communication and a connection with my body, like understanding my body when it's telling me Something, you are not yeah. feeling good right now. And so, why? Yeah. Yes. And, and why is that? So what are your tools? Like what is your, what tools do you have to help yourself get out of this particular space? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of people sit there every single day and they might have an argument at work or upset with someone or someone didn't speak to them or whatever the situation may be. We sit there and 
we go to bed on it. We sit there and go, well, shit, I hope I don't wake up like this tomorrow, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to put the head down tonight and we'll go again tomorrow. But it's, it's essentially it's a scar on the brain. And just like you had a scar on your arm, if you let it bleed out or if you let it go without treating it, it's going to scar. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what the brain will do. So to not deal with your thoughts, feelings and emotions is just, it doesn't make much sense to me. And for a long time, I didn't understand that. Um, but yeah, self-reflection every single day and working out the situations. And as you said, it's, it's understanding what the world's trying to teach us. You know, the life isn't happening to us. It's happening for us. Yeah. So, you know, as bad as the situations might be, as bad as it is to lose the mates that I've lost and go through the pain and trauma that I've experienced, what has that been trying to teach me? And I know exactly what it has been trying to teach me. And that's why I've been able to get to this place that I'm in now because I've utilized and channeled that. And understood it instead of sitting there and going, poor me. How oh, crap is this? Yeah. Um, and I did that for a long time and it doesn't get you anywhere. No, it definitely, definitely doesn't. And, you know, back on, you know, there's, there's connection and really, truly reaching out to people, which you've already touched on. But nourishment, you know, actually how you're, how you're nourishing your body, your gut health, things like that is so powerful as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's a lot of recent studies out about the importance of our gut health and, and, the, and the correlations it has on good well-being. As I said, like, I'd be the fattest, laziest bastard on the planet if I only <laughs> exercised and ate well when I felt like doing it. I don't, I don't enjoy eating uh, healthy. I don't enjoy exercising, but I just know that the impact it's going to have on my tomorrow and that's important for me because I don't, I don't want to wake up feeling like shit. That's not a way of life. Exactly. But I know damn well that if I keep doing the things that I used to do, I'll end up back in the same position. So, you know, I don't always feel real authentic in advocating for healthy eating because I, I, I am, I am uh, in favour of the old takeout. But the um, old takeout, the old tea tams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely my diet something that could definitely improve. But you know, again, it's the discipline of understanding yep that's something that I can work on and I'm going to work tirelessly to make sure that I improve it and you know and stick to that and sometimes I fall back in those holes and if I my body feels out of structure and I'm traveling around the world speaking I obviously obviously don't have the the tools and the systems around me to continue my well-being the way it is so it's implementing other things so um, knowing what it takes to the correlations between what Matt Runnels needs to eat healthy. And that might be that I need to get myself back in the gym because I don't want to do one without the other. Um, yes. You know, it might be going and having a meal once a week with my parents because I know they can cook and I can't, you know, it's just <laughs> doing the little things. Love it. You don't necessarily feel up to doing or can't be bothered with the travel or the hassle, but you just do it because you know that it's going to impact on you tomorrow. And I don't know why anyone else would want to wake up feeling any way, but great because we don't deserve to, so. Exactly. And, you know, coming back to the mind, like there's, there's education, there's doing it, and then there's like consistently, consistently yeah. doing it. How do we create, in your opinion, these habits? Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Like I, I, I read a lot. I, I, I research a lot. You know, it's, what is it, 75,000 thoughts a day or 300,000 thoughts a day or whatever it is, and only 9% of those change from day to day. So it's doing that quota of 9% every single day that's going to contribute to a change. It's it doing, doing the same thing over and over and over again is, is insanity if it's not working. But it's as for me, I live in structured routine every single day. The first 90 minutes of my day every single day 
is the most important, whether that's proactive and reactive. I don't, I don't want to touch my phone. I've got to exercise. I've got to eat well. I've got to practice compassion. I've got to meditate. I've got to write my goals down. I've got to practice gratitude, you know, and people will go, how do you have time to do that in the morning? But how don't you? Like you make yes. time for these things. And I don't know what the answer is for people to get structured up and to do these things. But because, you know, meditation, it's uh, people want to see proven outcomes and it's very hard to see proven outcomes by sitting in silence for five minutes and meditating. But it's just understanding the evidence and the years and years and years of, of correlations between doing these things that we don't necessarily want to do, but knowing they make a big impact on our tomorrow. And I get up every single day and I do it and I do it and I do it. And these things become a habit. 21 days creates a habit. 60 to 90 days creates a lifestyle. And these things, these things happen for me now naturally. And I do them um, without thinking just the same way we do anything else. Yeah. And like you said, it's about that relatability too, letting people know that, you know, I didn't, I don't, you know, sometimes I do fall off the bandwagon and to begin with, I didn't have these habits. It took me some time. It took some work, but I committed to it. So then I made it happen and then eventually it became a habit. So it's about yeah. really staying the path and knowing and understanding, you know, with my clients, it's okay, well, what is the value? Like what is, what is the value? Yeah, I think, I think the biggest part, when I talk about discipline and trying to get people to stay disciplined or structure up is in self-reflection. If you come home and have a shit day, tell us what your day looks like hour by hour, who you come in contact with, what you ate, how was your exercise out of 10? How was your compassion out of 10? How was your gratitude out of 10? How was your meditation out of 10? And show me, show me what you've done and I'll structure you up and show you what you're doing wrong. And that's what I do with myself every single night. I want to know why I had that bad day. Get curious about it. Can I accept it? Can I remove it? Can I use it for my benefit? And then from there, I start to build my wellness structure. You, you, you can't just keep going through these days and having bad moments and thinking that they're not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, as I and said, that's the thing a... about the reflection time as well is that sometimes your habits, your, um, your rituals, your routines, sometimes they need to evolve. So, for example, I have a baby now. Um, my previous routine was, um, and I was really strict with it, is I get up at 4.30 every single morning, 4.30, and I spend one hour on uh, personal development or anything that fills my cup, a whole hour, and I'm just I'm zoned in, whether that's exercise, meditation, whatever it is. And then I spend an additional hour where, I actually do what I need to do around the house. So then when my children wake up, I'm, it's like I've got ready for work. I'm like, yeah. boom, I'm ready to go, you know, yeah. and I've loved on myself. Absolutely. As I said before, I've got a, you know, what I call the unbreakable morning and that's my routine that I use every single day when I can, when I'm not traveling yeah. to ensure that I'm going to have the best day ahead. Um, and as I said, I get up at, I don't have to be at work till nine o'clock, but I'm up at five o'clock and I'm doing the things that I need to do. And the, half of the reasons that I get up at five o'clock is because I, I don't enjoy being around people all the time. So I'm going to do it when, when no one's around and I'm going to start my day off the right way, surrounded by all the things that make me happy and feel alive. So as I said, they're five minute practices, a lot of these things apart from exercise and eating. So uh, it's just, you know, if you tell me you don't have time in your day, you, you tell them porkies. Yeah. It's, I think it's definitely a limiting belief because for me, yeah. find, find me evidence, like go and find me evidence that in the world there is no one in the world has, has less time than you. Like, 
go yeah, find yeah. the evidence. You're not going to find it because it doesn't it doesn't exist. And that's why I think, and, and you'd be the same, is, is the amount of podcasts and TED Talks we watch of these successful people. And mm. look, at what, what, look at what successful people do to live the lives they live and you'll see a common practice and that's work ethic. Um, it's doing the things you don't want to do but knowing that by doing them, you're going to become a better person. And that the unbreakable morning and, and the routines and the wellness plans that I have are not for those people who struggle with mental illness. These plans are for those who want to be the best versions of themselves. And I don't know yeah, why everybody. anyone, yeah, would anyone out there would want to do anything but this. Like we, as far as we know, we only live one of these lives. So let's have a crack and make it, make it worth living. Um, and I, I feel a lot of guilt because for eight to nine years I sat in, sat in, and basked in that, in that crap and that negativity and poor me situation instead of getting off my ass and doing the work. Um, so I'm going to make sure that for every minute for the rest of my life, I do as much as I can to make sure I feel alive because, I yeah, I know what it's like to sit at the bottom and I don't know what it's like to live at the top, but I'm definitely heading there. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's it. You know, there's always another level, the next, the next level of the best version of yourself. There's always evolution. And to, you know, like you said, you didn't used to know this information. You didn't no. have this, this information. So it's all about getting it into the community. And, you know, one of the things that you do is obviously you go into schools, you know, into the community and share this information. Yeah, that's, again, as I said, the, the more and more work I do on myself, it's, uh, it's a two double-edged sword. I'm able to use it for my own benefit, but I'm also able to educate others about what they can be doing for themselves. And, um, you know, it's, it is trial and error. Like a lot of these things that I do won't work for others. A lot of the things that other people do won't work for me, but it's finding the things that make you feel happy, doing the things that make you feel your best self and alive, and that's, that's the only way there is to be. Um, Again, I, you know, there's a lot of passion in the work that I do and I just want people to understand that there's, there's other answers out there in other ways. Um, and for a long time, you know, I thought I was going to die by these two hands and never thought that I'd be able to accomplish anything and to be in the position I am only just years down the track is, is a, a living testament to what you can do when, when you're equipped with better skill sets and understandings around our mind and behavioural health. And I just wish that everyone could could do the same things yes absolutely and I have to say like you know I am really really excited about the sorts of things that you know yes we have a long way to go but I can see the change happening you know even you know Queensland education has just dumped so much money into actually integrating um, meditation and mindfulness into the curriculum let's hope that they uh, spend that money on people that know how to teach it though yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. These are the these are the things that we're coming up against in this country at the moment. Um, you know, it's all right saying teachers, we're going to put some money in the schools and we're going to get this and this and this in the curriculum, but as a, I am a huge, huge, huge believer in that. Um, I disagree when people say that doing something is better than nothing. We have to, when we get the opportunity to implement these things on people, is have them in the right hands of the people that engage well and connect yes. with the people in front of them. If we stand up the front and talk about mental health and we're monotone and boring and we've got no passion for it and we don't understand it ourselves, what sort of impact that is that having on the people in front of us? A negative, it's, it's having especially, a negative one because they don't want to ever hear it again. Yes, and especially, you know, with, with, younger, with younger people, it has to be 
people need to be entertained. And I know that that sounds, might sound really odd, but, you know, indirectly making it engaging and interactive and providing the information at the same time, in my opinion, is the only way to go. Yeah, it's just like, a, um, you know, I'm, I'm heading over to Stanford University and California State University on Saturday for 30 days for 300 hours of quantum learning strategies to learn how to engage Amazing. and wire the neurons of young kids' brains so that I can come back and be the best facilitator I can. This, I go into schools every single day and see so many people and teachers and educators that have no passion for what they do. They're monotone. They're boring. Oh. Look, don't get me wrong. There's yeah. heaps of Matt, great ones. Matt, I, look, I actually was, um, when I first left school, I was actually studying to be a teacher. So I was doing linguistics. I was going to be an Italian and English teacher. And I was like, I don't have passion for this. I don't enjoy it. And this is an important job. So yeah. i got to tap out of this because it's, it's, a real too, concern in, it's too important. Are in a, yeah, it's a real concern to see some of the teachers that our kids are um, in the hands of these days and you know I do go in and see a lot of them and don't get me wrong I'm not saying that they're all like that there's some no. fantastic people out there but I think you know if you're listening to this and you're a teacher and you're feeling a little bit of guilt that might be you so it's the most important years of our lives are those in primary education so if we're going to imitate the behaviors that you don't want our kids to imitate down the track well, maybe find another job because I see it all the time and I do worry about the kids yeah. when they grow up in environments like that. They spend a lot of their time um, not around their parents but in the hands of educators and it's important that the educators are on their game yeah. as often as they can be and deal with and equip this, some, themselves with these situations and education to best be able to engage with every kid whatever their way of learning is and whatever they go through. And that's the thing as well, that if we want to help the children, we also need to help the people that are providing examples of what not to do. Yes, 100%. You know, there's a lot of teachers out there that don't shy away from the fact that they don't have the skill sets to be able to deal with some of these things. And that's, that's, that's great because the first part of the struggle is no one is having the acceptance to go, well, okay, I'm probably not the best fit for this. Yeah. And that's my concern. It's, this is not a shot at the teachers. This is more a shot at where we spend our money as a country and we yeah. put now money into teachers. Teachers have so much to do as is without trying, to, without trying to throw meditation and mindfulness classes on top of that. Yeah. Look, you know, honestly, I think that they shouldn't, you know, if a teacher no, wanted to do it, I think it should be an actual people that are, are experienced um, meditation guides, mindfulness experts. 100%. You wouldn't send me in to teach the kids science, so don't, te- don't send yourself in to teach the kids meditation and mindfulness if you actually give a shit about those kids in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Put your hand up and acknowledge that this is a weakness of mine and I don't want it to become a weakness of the kids. So, yeah. you know, when I, when I get bookings as a mental health and suicide prevention speaker right around the world and it might be 13-year-old netball club, just female only, well, I'll send in my female speaker. If I get an Indigenous yeah. booking in Darwin, well, I will ring Joe Williams, my, my Indigenous First Nations uh, mentor and advocate. It's knowing your strengths, triple down at them, become exceptionally awesome at them, and knowing your weaknesses and getting rid of them. There's, don't play in your weakness because that's only going to transform onto the person that's standing in front of you. Yeah, and, you know, that kind of leads on to... Um to failure and um, and getting you know getting a good relationship with failure. So for me, I I love I love failure and 
what it does is it teaches me what I need on it's just Yeah, I just, I feel that, you know, there's this, a lot of perfectionist mentality happening. Um, yeah, that, and, and I think, you know, the Resilience bullshit. Project and Hugh and Martin at the Resilience Project do a great job at teaching and educating these young kids about failure. Um, it's that growth mindset and understanding that the, all our failures lead, give us the proper perspective of success. And it's by doing things over and over again that we learn how best to do them. Um, and we improve, improve, um, our abilities to do things it's you know it's like riding a bike as a kid it's no different you you just keep back on and you have another go and you go go and now we all know how to ride a bike but if we gave up the first time we tried to ride a bike where would we be at and that's where what we lose as we get older is we have one go at something and it's too hard and we put it down so um yeah like failure is a big thing for me i enjoy failure that's the only way i learn look i'm i was a plumber before this so to be in a in the non-for-profit space and social impact space, doing what I do, and even speaking, running programs and workshops, I'm cons- um, con- consistently failing. And but it tells me what I'm doing wrong, and it tells me what I'm doing right. And it's that self-reflection again is is being able to implement the things that I'm doing well and keep them, but also getting rid of the things that I'm I'm not doing well and finding ways in which to improve them. And and that's how we grow the muscles in the brain. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I just thank you so much for being on here, Matt. I appreciate all the work that you do and I love I love your approach. Like it's just it, you're authentically yourself and I think that is... Yeah, I think it's the most important part. You know, I've just for finished a pilot in a primary school and a lot of the teachers are saying that they're very grateful for the work that I was doing. But what I learned in that week working with the kids is a great reminder to myself and to many other people. And our kids show us the true meaning of life to, to be real, to be bubbly, to be crazy, to be creative, to have an imagination and to not give a shit about what's happening around us apart from the thing we're doing. And that's an, uh, we've lost the ability to do that and to be like that. So, you know, I, I think the only way we continue to change the world is by trying to not bash our head against the wall um, and worry about the ignorance of others, but teaching each other to learn to love ourselves and to love one another. And, and I think that that's the, the way the world will turn. And we do that by being real and watering that, that brilliance of ourselves. Beautiful. So, so beautiful. And, you know, I think I love what you say about looking through, you know, <laughs> being childlike because, you know, as a mother of three, <laughs> yeah. God, that I gave me some perspective. <laughs> All the things I used to worry about, I, you know, I would attach so much meaning. My self-worth would be attached to, you know, not having the cushions perfect, like just really silly, silly things that really don't matter at all. But I attached all this meaning to them. And then once I had children, I'm like, hang on a second yep. here. I've got to surrender to this chaos. And yeah, exactly. I, love, I love watching them just explore and see the world with such open eyes and just with, you know, even even my six-week-old um, baby Vanessa here, she, the way she looks, like she her yeah. eyes are filled with wonder and I'm like, wow. Absolutely. I'm inspired by my six-week-old baby. Yep, those kids at the schools more, that I go in and work with every single wonder. day give me so much energy and drive for tomorrow 
um, and they encouraged me and empowered me to go back to the way I, I, I once was and that's that's to do whatever I want to do, however I want to do it um, and not be so afraid of what the, the fear and judgment of others um, and to do what I do and, and to know that I'm doing it well. So it's, you know, these, these kids are the... the they mimic really, really good behaviours and, and we somehow have lost that over the years. Um, and it's up to us as adults now and caregivers and our brothers and sisters keepers to to mimic good behaviours um, for our kids so that they don't lose that when they get older. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Okay, so we're coming to the end of our conversation, and I have a final segment. Oh, here we go. Ask each guest. <laughs> um, I ask them four questions. Yes. Yeah, so it's these, this segment is called <laughs> the final four. Yes, it's pretty juicy. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I freaking love it. Um, okay, so Matt. Yes. Cool. What is your and there's no wrong, no bad answers here. Um, what is your definition? You know, when of I think of spirituality, I think of um, being at peace with myself, um, and that's that's come through um, meditation and mindfulness and learning how to slow this process down. Um, I think that's my that's that's what I think of when I think of spirituality. I know there's many other ways that other people think of it, but um, I think, yeah. Also, that element of, of understanding that all the things in life have happened to me for a very good reason. They've crafted me into the person I've become and I use that spirit and I use that drive and that energy and that faith I have that something else out there is, is, is better, that's, that's just around the corner. And, and that's what I think of when I think of spirit and spirituality. Beautiful. Okay, so question two. Question two is if you could ask you know whatever it is the powers that be god whatever it is the universe everyone's got their own opinions if you could ask any burning question oh, and get the answer <laughs> what would that question be um <laughs> oh, i don't know that i have a question to ask anyone it's not an answer that i want from anyone but i would love to tell everyone just to shush <laughs> Just to shush, just to be quiet, just to sit in silence, to to sit there and reflect and to see just how beautiful this world is that we often forget about. Um, You know, we're very quick to whinge and complain and worry about all the things that are going wrong, but just to shush and just to sit and and to watch and to listen and to to see how beautiful the world out there is and to know that we're very, very blessed and, and should be very grateful to live the life that we all live, no matter how hard it is at the very present time. So beautiful, Matt. Okay. So beautiful. <laughs> now this one's a bit intense, uh, and I feel weird asking you this question, but it is a part of the segment. So, um, what do you think? Happens well, this when is we this die? is bizarre because I've started to look into a lot of this very recently. Um, because every single time when I've spoken, see, the day I lost Sean, I left the um, left the funeral service, and I was filling up at my car, and there was a black crow. Um, every single speaking engagement that I've done since I've lost Sean, and now I'm talking about in Canada, I'm talking about in America, I'm talking about in Gippsland, Queensland, WA, Perth, Adelaide, wherever it is, this black crow keeps turning up and, and it's there every single time. So I'm very intrigued as to what Mm. is beyond what we're experiencing right now, but 
I tend not to want to know too much more about it because I'm just so interested in living uh, minute by minute, day by day, um, and worrying about the, the, the footprint that I'm going to leave behind for someone else. Yes, yes, beautiful. Um, and last but not least, this is mm. all around your legacy. So I want you to fill in the blanks. Alive. Matt made me feel. Had a love. Matt taught me. Authentic. Matt was always. <laughs> Boom. Beautiful Matt. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for everything. No, I appreciate you do. it. And, and as I said, I if there's so anything we can ever you, do Baba. to help, it doesn't, you know, just yourself, your family, if there's anyone out there that's listening, you know, there's ways in which to contact. Um, myself and the people at our organisation and, and just, just for everyone to know that there's so much help and support out there. I've always said we've got some of the most amazing organisations and advocates in this world, um, in the world right here in Australia, and, and we just simply have to make people aware of them and reach out to them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to be alive, to be anywhere, but I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity this morning to, to talk um, with you, Jess, and to share share some of the things that I don't often get to, so it's nice. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Practically Spiritual. Um, Matt, before you go, before you go. Yes, yeah, so I've got how, two um, social media pages. Obviously, we've got um, the Facebook pages, the forward slash Mindful Oz, um, Mindful spelt with a double L because I'm different. Um, and my Facebook page is forward slash Matt Runnels 91, and that's a public profile page that, you know, I share a lot of my advice and tips and and tricks and, and learnings on um, as well as my email um, at the email our team or our website so our website's www.mindfuloz.org as well as our team's email so if there's any booking services information questions or queries or anything that else that starts with cut contact them um, and they'll help you out and that's admin at mindfuloz.org By starting the conversation, I'm not in it for anything else other than to change the way that we perceive and treat mental illness. And and that starts not just with Mindful Oz, but every single person out there who's listening to this now. So please, we've started the conversation here today. Just go away and continue to do that and and to normalise that that conversation, bring comfort to it. And don't don't ever tiptoe and sugarcoat around what really matters. And we've done that for too long. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Practically Spiritual podcast. I cannot wait to bring the next guest on. If you have any guest requests or recommendations, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram on the handle at Jessica Palmer Official or send me through an email at jessicapalmerofficial at gmail.com. Perhaps you have an inspirational story or an important message or gift that you know that you need to share with the world. I would love to hear from you. If this podcast, this transmission has impacted your life in any way at all, I would love to know. So feel free to connect, send me an email, DM me, tag, share all the good stuff. I can't wait to hear from you. Keep striving, keep thriving.